Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. Once again, we're back at it with another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And just like always, I had to not only nag her for the remainder of the week, well, the past week, but um, I had to tell her, to, hey, come on, let's go do this. Let's do this so I can stop nagging you and we can get on with the show so I can restart my nagging of her tomorrow. <laughs> So that's pretty much how it's going to go. You know? So without further ado, I want to go ahead and bring forth Rockstar. What's going on with you there, Rockstar? Oh, hey. Um, it's I can't even believe it's been a crazy week. And it's Halloween this weekend, so I feel like everyone's excited about that. But yeah, this I mean, this week and this whole month has just completely flown by. So here we are. <laughs> oh, man. I can't remember who I was talking to. It was just a couple of days ago. And when they asked me, I was like, I do not like any holidays after the month of August. <laughs> I really don't like this time of the year. And, um, and it's only because I was scarred from being a child, you know, um, about the whole Santa situation that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. So everything else I'm like, nah, forget it. Nah, I really don't want to support it. But um, you go into any Halloween get togethers? Hey. I think so. Um, so one of my girlfriends just, just, I don't know, she's opening a bar that's supposed to open on Saturday. And I stopped by yesterday just to scope it. It looks awesome. I mean, she bought it from a guy who was almost 80 years old, who would basically, I don't want to say he ran into the ground, but he kind of did, mainly because he just didn't want to keep up with it and take care of it. So she bought it and they've, um, done a ton of work to it so I'm going to stop out to that and then there's a uh a bar that I don't really like downtown Milwaukee but a bunch of my friends go there pretty much every year. I haven't been out in Milwaukee I mean I've lived in Minnesota the past seven years so now that I'm back in Milwaukee and I'm like catching up with friends and doing all the things I think we're gonna go to this bar there they do a Halloween costume contest and it's it's fun. I mean, it'll be cool to see people out and about. So that'll be good. <laughs> so what's going to be your Halloween costume? I don't know. I have so many costumes. Last year I was a goddess. I have this really pretty goddess costume. That's, I was like, yeah, why not? It was like the end of the world last year. So I figured I would just <laughs> rock that. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe a pirate. I've got so much to choose from. One year I went as poison ivy, but I had a red wig and I have braids in now so i can't wear the red the wig so i don't know i'm sure i'll put something together no okay i don't know like if i step out of the house on um halloween i'm just either going to be mike or michael woodland of m-w tactical that's, that's my <laughs> only two costumes i wear <laughs> yeah so um, yeah i wanted to um bring forth talking points this week about safety because we already know Alec Baldwin has been in the press for what happened on the movie set out there in New Mexico with the movie that 
he had coming out called Rust or that they're filming called Rust that will be coming out soon um, if it doesn't get shut down. But um, I just wanted to hit up the four safety rules and just ask like straight from the beginning, what is your take on the four safety rules? Yeah, well, the first one, which he violated right off the bat, is treat every firearm as if it's loaded. And if you just follow that simple rule, I, I mean, this whole situation would have been mitigated it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened right like you can never assume that just because someone else is handing you a firearm that they have checked it it's you know it's it's up to us to to actually do that action um and it was funny i posted something about on uh, about that on instagram and one of my friends was talking about a hunting incident that he had had years ago and he was you know he had just finished finished hunter safety he was like 12 or 13 um him and his cousin were out in the woods with like his dad and their uncles and he had checked the shotgun it was clear there there was no ammo in it and he was just like kind of putzing around with it and, um then handed it to his cousin and then went you know went off to do something else and he came back and, you know, his cousin gave him the gun back. And so he was just, you know, kind of playing around with it again. And he pressed the trigger and his cousin had actually loaded mm. um, ammo into the gun. And luckily, like no one was hurt. He wasn't pointing it at anyone. But he said that that, you know, that incident, he's like, he's, it's just it had changed him significantly it really scared him it you know it just it's and it's one of those things like we have to be so so diligent about that if if we're going to hand our firearm off to someone it's our job to to really make sure that that we check that it's not loaded that's very much true that's very true right there so um but before i go into my talking point i do want to say this week's show is brought to you by jam4 tactical um, as you already know, Jam4 Tactical sponsors me in competition shooting. And if you will, head on over to jam4tactical.com and look at the vast array of holsters that they have. If you're interested in the holster that I'm actually using for my competition reasons and one of the holsters that I use for concealed carry, um, check out the Relic. And you can get the Relic inside the waistband, outside the waistband, and even in the pancake format that can also go outside the waistband. So head on over to Jam4 Tactical and check out their selection for holsters for your carry needs for your firearm. Now, um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that also because, I mean, honestly, I really don't like comparing what you do in the military to what you do in the civilian sector. But there are a lot of things that that goes on the same in my mind amongst the two, because, you know, a lot of people put the military at a higher standard. But, you know, if that was your day to day life, you know, it's just you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, just like you would at your regular job. And um, the one thing that gets me is like when we be doing training we have to do the crawl, walk, run phase. And of course, you know, we do it a blank run at first. Then um, we'll do the run with the, I mean, 
the draw run is nothing in the firearm, the first run. The second run is the blank run, where you have blanks in your firearm and, you know, you're reacting to it. And then the third time you do it, that's your law fire run. And at times when they bring the ammo, you know, they bring both blanks and live at the same time because um, you couldn't have the ammo truck just running back and forth to the ranges if everybody was doing that form of training during that week. So um, it was on us, you know, and of course the NCOs who was over us when I was a private until I became the senior NCO to ensure that the um, blanks and live rounds were separated as such. You know, and there was a few times when, like when we're loading it, you know, and then you have like a small detail, you know, loading the magazines or separating the magazines, um, the rounds so you can put, you know, distribute it so people can put it in the magazine. But like when I was in charge, I always collected up the magazines from everybody who was going to shoot and ensure that, hey, we only load in blanks right now and then turn around hey, give me those magazines back. Now we're putting a lot of rounds in those same magazines, you know, after the fact. But it was a thorough process that you have to check and then recheck again, you know. But um, even like you said, is you can't push the blame off on anybody on that one because those four rules are what they are in place for. They bounce off of each other. But regardless of what you're doing, even when you turn around and you look at it, whenever you're shooting, you know, like, yeah, you can skip one of them. And let's just say um, you happen to flag somebody, but you don't got your finger on the trigger. Nobody got hurt. Of course, you know, somebody's going to correct you and all this and that lesson learned. Hopefully you don't do it again. But um, even in the turn of it, those rules are very important, you know, so where do you go from there? Yeah. And he, I mean, he broke all of them. I mean, you don't like, don't, don't point your firearm at something that you're not willing to destroy. Keep your finger off of the trigger until, you know, <laughs> you're ready to use it. And then, you know, knowing your target and what's, be what's behind it, what's beyond it. I mean, the other person on set was injured as well. So, I mean, it was just a, a blatant violation of all of those those different things so it's just um it shows you like how quickly something can go from you know something really fun and really cool like a movie to something really tragic and really you know it's like devastating yeah um the one thing i don't agree with is if you're anti-gun and of course you know we we live in a free society so you can pretty much do whatever you want to do but my belief is if you're anti-gun why are you making movies with something you don't believe in you know what i'm yeah. saying <laughs> like that doesn't, that doesn't like ring that bell with me so um but like i said if i don't support something i'm not going to support it and doing something else right like, you know what i'm saying and yeah. um I like I said, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. So right, but yeah, it's, it's also. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the other side of it is, I'm a firm believer in if everybody who was on that set who touched a firearm, right, should have went through some form of a firearm safety class. 
So everybody is aware of what, what is, what's going on in a sense of speaking, because technically when you're on the range, what's one of the first things an instructor always says, you know, who's, who's a safety instructor here, right? Who can call ceasefire? Everybody can call ceasefire. Yeah, of course. So why isn't it like that on a movie set? But right. they, you know, they got more rules in place because I never been on a movie set, whereas it was like firearms involved. So I don't know the ins and outs of whatever that agreement they came up with since 93 that they should have been following that they didn't follow. But um, we're going to bring in um, somebody who I consider a subject matter expert on matters that hit society like this. And her name is um, Jariah. And um, we're going to let her talk about it, give her viewpoint and um, hear it from a different perspective as well. You know, so um, but we're going to do that after that commercial break. But um, but when you, when you first heard that, um, what was your first take on what took place with Mr. Baldwin? That's a good question. Well, so it was in, an interesting story on a couple fronts, because the more I followed along with it, the weirder it got. Um, mm -hmm. Like the crew had walked off the set. There were <clears throat> there were messages circulating saying that the conditions had already been fairly dire and tensions were high and people weren't getting along. And I don't know all the backstory. I obviously I wasn't there. I wasn't on set. So, but to just sort of see that there was already kind of this breakdown happening um, and that people had already left, and it sounds like you know, most of the union people were already gone, which in my mind means the people who were in charge of any, any weapons on set were, were likely not there when this, when this happened. So just to kind of see all of these <laughs> bad things that happened, I'm like, this is a really not good situation. This is kind of like as bad as it gets, right? You've got us, you got a crew that's, that's ticked off. They've, they've left. You've got people using firearms who don't know what they're doing. You've got just all these factors that when you compile them together, spells out disaster. And um, and just the fact that, I mean, Alec Baldwin has been so anti-gun for so long. <laughs> to have this happen to someone like that, it's just it's very, like, almost ironic in a sense. And um, but it just go and you kind of alluded to this, like they should have gone through a training program. And it's also why like safety and training is so important because all of this could have been avoided had they one, gone through a safety course and two, been properly trained on firearms. So to me, like right off the bat, that was just like, okay, this is like the domino effect of things just going wrong and wrong and wrong. And this is like, of course, this was the end result because you had all of the wrong things in place. So it's very sad. Um, it's very unfortunate, but it's also something that could have been avoided had prior steps been taken. Very true. Very true. So um, I know like one of the things I always do, I always beat up the four firearm safety rules. And um, you know, like how most people always uh, you know, rule number one is this, rule number two, rule number three, and rule number four. But um, what I've come across is a lot of people can't remember the rules like that. Well, one reason is they don't practice it every day, you know, like somebody who deals with firearms on a regular basis like that. And 
there's an acronym that I use um, that is TANK. And I tell people, if you can remember TANK, it should help you remember the four firearm safety rules a little bit easier. So even if you can't remember one through four, remember the acronym TANK. You know, um, so, you know, T-A-N-K, the first letter in everything. You know, treat all firearms as if it's loaded. Always keep your finger off the trigger. Never point your finger at anything you're not willing to destroy and know what's in front of and beyond your target. Easy acronym to remember. So if you can't remember one through four, let's do tank. You know what I'm saying? So for all you instructors out there, um, that's my um, my little tip for the day. <laughs> so, um, but those four firearm safety rules are very important. Even when I do draw fire, I only draw fire in um, two rooms in my house. And it's my bedroom and my living room, you know? So those two places, I know for a fact, there is no live rounds in. But even so, you know, like I go through everything. I just make sure there are no live rounds in because when I have my magazine with the dummy rounds in it, sometimes I'll drop the magazine and a round will pop out. One of the dummy rounds will pop out but I don't want a live round laying around. And then when I look down, oh, it's two rounds that pop out and I put one of them in and then accidentally, you know, charge and pull the trigger. Next thing you know, ND in the house, you know? So, um, but that's one reason you don't want live rounds around, you know, because, you know, you're, you're practicing, especially like on a movie set. Now you're pointing firearms because you're simulating killing or simulating scaring somebody. But when that bang really happens, you can't call time out. You can't bring the bullet back. You know, say so it was an action that's already taken place. So how do we move forward from there? You know, what actions do you do from there? So four firearm, four firearm safety rules are very, very, very important. Now, um, let's go ahead and dive into this commercial break right quick. And um, we're going to go ahead and get Jariah on the phone. And um, let's hear her standpoint on this. And um hear what lessons of wisdom she's going to drop on us. <laughs> so um, to everybody who's listening, please go ahead and um, adjust your volumes. Get those headphones correct. If you're cruising in your rods, go ahead and get your sunshade straight. If it's sunny in your area, if it's raining, just go ahead and, um, you know, take your foot off the gas pedal. And we'll be right back. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. 
Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc.com at gmail.com. Thank you. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And um, please go pay the sponsors a visit and let them know that you heard about their product on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Now, um, prior to the break, of course, myself and the lovely rock star, we was talking about the four firearm safety rules and how important they are. And one thing I wanted to say right before the break was that, you know, a lot of times when you go to court behind a firearm related incident, they build the case backwards. Like when you go to court, it sounds like, okay, it's the play, play by play of what took place and how it went down. But when they build the case, they build it backwards from what did you violate? The four firearm safety rules, which one did you violate? And then it goes into play and how they build it from there. So it's like already closed from the rip. <laughs> you know, so one of the old saying, a lawyer is not going to ask you a question they don't already know the answer to, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's kind of funny how that plays in, um, into perspective of everything in life when it comes to firearms, especially like if you got um, the misconception of it was an accidental shooting or I didn't know. So how does ignorance of the law play into it when you have a firearm, you know? So 
you remember in the first segment, I told you I had a buddy. And yes, I did butcher her name in the first segment. And um, MJ actually caught me and she was like, hey, I'm gonna have to pull your ear when I see you. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did <laughs> Yeah, that. I can depend on my girl to help me out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to bring on my buddy, Jariah, who I call, uh -uh, I mean, uh -uh. Jara, who I call Jariah. <laughs> you did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to bring my buddy Jara from Clearing the Chamber, who also does a lot of other things within the gun industry to the M-W Tactical Podcast. So without further ado, who, yes, I did butcher her name, but my bad, my apologies, the lovely Jara. What's going on Thank with you, you. there, Jara? I'm going to give my own, my own applause. <laughs> no, trust me. Your applause is right there. There you go. You got your <laughs> So, yeah. So, I'm super glad to be on. Um, so, I met you, um, I think I met you like two years ago, right? And yes, then uh, I met uh, MJ at Train and Learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you met both of us at Train and Learn because I met you at the first Train and Learn, which was about two years ago. And but I didn't meet her at the first train and learn. No, no. She Did came I? to the whatever one she came to. I wasn't at that one. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. So, yeah. So, super. I was super excited uh, to see more ladies at the train and learn this year. And hopefully that will become a trend that will move, you know, upward through the years. But I was really excited um, to meet you, MJ. I think, you, I think you're doing really, really great things. So, uh very just very excited to see more women just kind of killing it in the in, in instructorship yeah I'm, I'm i'm a big supporter of women doing the gun stuff because the one thing that always pisses me off is whenever you go well i know in my personal experience whenever you go to a firearm store or you know some type of box store or a true gun store the female is always trying to be sold the smallest firearm in the collection that always pisses me off i think that there is i think it has gotten better probably i've seen a significant change in this over probably the last five years mm -hmm. but i think that there is still a big delta between men working in this industry like in in especially in gun stores and like on gun ranges mm -hmm. that really don't understand how to decipher whether or not a woman is an experienced shooter and then what what tends to be dangerous is a, uh, sometimes they will just assume that a man is an experienced shooter this happened to me i'll tell you a quick story there's a place right down the street from the security company that that i work for or that I, I train at and um that I took somebody down there to qualify and dude I went through the, they put me through the ringer I mean and they should right if you're going into someone else's business and you're saying I'm going to train this person with a gun right they should be asking you for your liability insurance and they should be mm -hmm. you know at, trying to get to know you and understanding your experience I mean I have no problem being vetted the problem that I have is they put me literally through the ringer for this. I showed them all the stuff. I sent them all the insurance. And then this guy comes in behind me as I'm filling out this waiver form. And they're like, hey, boss, you know, what's going on? And he had the, 
the the patched up range bag. He had the tattoos. He had the long beard. I mean, he just, you know, he looked very tactical. And um, he was like, hey, man, what's going on? And they were like, hey, well, have you shot here before? And he's like, no. So they they throw him this liability waiver. and He signs it. And they're like, you're going to be on lane six. They didn't ask him another question. They didn't have him read the safety rules. They didn't do a brief with him, nothing. They just let him go in. So I go in with my student and I finish before he does. And so I kind of pop over and ask the guy, I'm like, hey man, what's, you know, what's going on? I'm Jarrah. And he was like, oh, hey, he was like, my name's Tim. And I was like, hey, it's nice to meet you. I was like, man, hey man, how long have you been shooting? He goes, man, he was like, I just got into this probably like three years ago. I moved here from California. Hmm. And, and it honestly made me want to like punch somebody because I've been shooting for 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've been teaching for 12. And so that's the assumption that a lot of women have to deal with, especially females who are instructors is we, you know, now a lot of females who are instructors haven't really haven't been doing it that long. Okay. So let's be fair, but it's, you should not assume you should ask everybody the same questions, especially if they're new to your business. And so that's the kind of stuff that I think a lot of women instructors are up against. And a lot of women in general who are experienced shooters when they go to the range, it's automatically assumed that we are not experienced. But a lot of times it's assumed that men who go to the range are experienced when in fact they may not be. And then we end up with negligent discharge situations. We end up with dangerous firearms handling and we end up with Alec Baldwin situations. Exactly. That's very much true right there. Um, I'm sorry that happened to you. And, um, but I'm pretty sure a similar story like that has happened to everyone that everyone can relate to. I'm not sorry, because I I sure did educate him Mm -hmm. on my way out. You know, I was like, hey, man, look, here's, you know, I think everybody should just be treated the same. You know, and if we did that, then it would be easy to decipher who's experienced and who's not. And, you know, also it would really give you a handle on who has a problem with ego and who doesn't. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there shouldn't be an experienced shooter that goes into a gun range that has a problem being questioned, especially because they don't know you, you know, now if they know you. And, and you go there frequently, they're not going to question, they're not going to ask you those questions anymore. Somebody new that might work there might ask that question and you shouldn't be offended by that. You should actually be happy that somebody is, is trying to vet you and ask you to make sure that everybody else on the range is safe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's why I like talking to you, um, Jared, because you always take a negative and make it a positive. That's one thing I really do like about you. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind being questioned at all. I mind somebody assuming something about me, right? So I posted this thing on Facebook and MJ may have seen it, um, but I got uh, someone, a a private investigator referred me to a lawyer and this lawyer is working a gun case and he's basically trying to prove Mm. that this person is lying. And so he, he called me, had me come to his office. I looked at the police report. I looked at all the pictures and he was like, basically, I want to recreate this scene I just want you to video yourself you know maybe with a a couple other people because you're going to need somebody to hold the camera and you know things like that he's like and I basically want you to find a car door or just an old junker car and I want you to shoot it in the manner in which it's being explained in this police report and I just want you to videotape that and then you know just get it back to me I was like okay so I post on Facebook you know I'm like I'm really excited about this opportunity you know 
I never said anything about being a subject matter expert. I never said anything about being a witness, um, like a, a subject matter expert witness that would take the stand. And yet some dude has to come and just assume, and this is what he said in his, in his comment. He said, you know, I really want to rah-rah this post, but I'm, I'm having a hard time doing that because I really feel like there are other people in the industry that are better equipped and better suited um, to handle this kind of task. And I was like, what makes you, and I've never met this person, never met this person. We're just connected on Facebook. And I was like, so what makes you assume that I'm not equipped to handle this task? And he was like, well, you understand that somebody's freedom hangs in the balance of your testimony. And I was like, when did I ever say in this post that I was testifying on anything? Right. Like, so you're assuming that I'm doing something that I never said that I was doing. And that's the problem, especially that the gun community has, I think, is we just assume things about people. And the people outside of the gun community assume things about the gun community. And so the problem here in its foundational form is all of our assumptions. And we need to quit doing that. Yeah, I totally agree with it. Um, I think um, something else that works against you also is the fact that being a very attractive woman, now you always get the guy's ego that comes into place. And I don't know if it's the ego of, let me show you what I can do, or I'm going to use this opportunity to try to show off to you or whatever. But I've always noticed a lot of people do that on the range also. So how do you react to, and the same thing for you, MJ, how do y'all react to that when that happens? Well, it's been a very, it has been a, I would say a decades long at least in my experience, I'm, I'm four decades old. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I started doing this when I was 12 and I kind of started to get a taste of like how the male ego goes into this, you know, in my early twenties. And I think it's been a decades long task mission, if you will, to try to infuse into the male part of the second amendment community and the gun community that it's okay to look at us as your equal, but we also have to get there. There's two sides to this too, because the thing that that's being combated here is there's a lot of women who want to get into this industry because it's, it's quote unquote cool, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of women that aren't willing to put forth the effort and the hours and the training that comes with making yourself an instructor making yourself a subject matter expert. So there's two, it's two horns on the same goat. It's we as women have to put forth the effort as people who haven't really been doing this for a long time, right? Like, so before years and years ago, men were brought up this way, right? I mean, it was, it was a thing in our culture where it was normal to be brought up around firearms, but the men were the ones who were primarily getting this education and the women really weren't, okay? Or at least not to the degree that the men were, okay? And now it's becoming a thing where this is very accessible to women. A lot of women are interested in it. Females are pr pretty much the number one demographic of new gun owners right now. And so I think that it's just this whole we've got to turn this thing on its axis, but it's a slow process of men looking at women as their equal in this industry, but also women having to understand that it takes a long time and a lot of education to get to the point where you're actually a subject matter expert. So 
I think that it's, it's just a very difficult thing for sometimes for some men, not all men, because I don't like blanket statements, but some men to look at women and go, no, you're really good at this. Or maybe you're even better than me at this. And maybe I need to step up my game. I think that's the sort of intersection that we're in right now. I agree with that. I can see that also. What about right. you? What do you um, think, MJ? Yeah. So, so I spent five years working in the power sports industry, um, mainly with cruiser and, you know, big old motorcycles. And there are a lot of parallels between the motorcycle industry and the gun industry. Even when you walk into a Harley dealership, if you're a woman, the first, first bike that most store employees will tell you to get would be a sportster because it's the and smallest that's what bike. i had <laughs> yes because it's the smallest bike that really makes. but it's a very top heavy motorcycle and women aren't naturally our strength is in our lower body you know our core strength tends to be significantly higher in our you know in our legs and then our arms so to to ride a sportster is it's a lot of upper body strength because it's the, the way that the bike sits, the way that it's, you know, engineered. It, it's not a, it's not a balanced frame. Um, the most balanced bike that Harley makes is the soft tail line. And yes, it's a bigger bike. It's got a bigger engine. It weighs significantly more, but as far as being balanced and lower to the ground, it's a way better fit, in my opinion, for a, a woman to ride, at least to, you know, ride comfortably. But there's this, there's this idea that, you know, since we are women, since we are, our frames are typically smaller than men, that smaller is better. And, you know, we see the same thing when you walk into, you know, into a gun shop. Oh, we're going to get you this, the smallest gun possible, not realizing that there's a lot of things that might not be so great with a smaller firearm. Um, the amount of kick that's <laughs> and recoil that you're going to be dealing with. So I, I always have thought that the, the parallels between those, those two industries are similar. Uh, again, another very male dominated industry for years and years and years, kind of this like rough and rugged and cool thing. Um, and again, when I, when I worked there, it was very much, how do you, how do you, how do you set yourself apart from the other women? Because you'll see the same thing in, you know, in the firearms industry, there's, there's gun bunnies, there's girls who do this because they're cute and they want the attention and they want the Instagram likes. And that's the same thing in the, in the motorcycle industry. There's a lot of very beautiful women who, you know, pose very sexily on their motorcycles um, and they get a lot of attention, but is that, you know, is that really what we're going for? Do we want to be taken seriously as as actual experts in the matter, or do we just want to be vol voluptuous women? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I appreciate beautiful women, right? Like that's totally fine. But there's a there's this, I don't know, kind of this push pull dynamic of of how the world sees women in these industries. Um, You're totally right. You're totally right, MJ. And the reason that I never took the gun bunny route is because, listen, there are a lot of women that are considered gun bunnies, especially on Instagram, that are phenomenal shots, okay? The issue that I had with it is I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be respected for my knowledge first. Yeah. I didn't want someone, I don't want people following me just because they find me attractive. Um, right. And I think that that was so... 
they, and, and I, and I'm not judgmental toward them at all. They can totally do what they want with their bodies. I mean, we only have these, you know, we only have these kick-ass bodies for so long <laughs> until, until age comes into play. And so I have zero issue with that. Um, but what I do take issue with is that some of these women were <clears throat> seen or looked at or being touted as knowledgeable instructors and I had met them and I had, and I had watched them and they were not. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. And so, you know, I don't, uh, so I, I I just wanted to take a, a different route and I wanted to be respected for my knowledge first. And the, and then, you know, if someone said, oh, she's, you know, a cute sassy redhead that knows some stuff about guns, you know, I don't care if they say that stuff about me. Um, I don't care if they find me attractive and I certainly don't care if they don't um, because the goal and the mission every day is just to teach so many women how to shoot, how to handle a gun effectively, that they're comfortable carrying it every day and it becomes normal uh, because women are the soft target and we should be carried. We, we don't have these natural deterrents as far as size, speed and strength. And so I want more women to feel very comfortable having this tool and this weapon on their body every day. So now let me ask you this question. And um, this is pretty much a two-part question. Do you think the female armorer on the set of Rust with Alec Baldwin, by her, because everything they're showing that I've seen in relation to her, it was always like the ditzy partier I don't really take my job too serious demeanor. Um, do you think that was a, an indicator of why this probably happened? Or do you well, think it's more along with it, with her being a female and just not taking it serious? Well, you know, here's the thing. I never want to assume, mm-hmm. but here's what I have to do to answer the question. I have to assume a couple of things based on what I've read in news articles. Um, and one thing I didn't like that, that people are assuming about her is that she wasn't qualified because of her age. And that's complete bullshit. Um, you know, by the time I was 24, which was, is the age that she is, I, had, I already had 12 years of firearms handling experience. Okay, so if you, if you start people out at a young age in this game, they're gonna have a lot of experience when they're very young. So. We're going to take her age out of the equation. I don't believe that that's a factor in her being able to do this job. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in some of these articles that were written, they, they quoted her as saying that she didn't really know a lot about this, that she didn't have enough experience, um, that maybe she didn't even feel comfortable doing this. Um, her father is a well-known armor on movie sets. So one can assume that maybe this is how she got that job, but we don't know for sure. Um, so do, by what I've read, by what I've seen on her own social media pages, I don't think that she had the maturity to do this. Now we all crack jokes. We all post stupid memes on our social media every now and then. Um, but I, I don't believe just from what I know and not knowing her personally, I don't believe that she was mature enough to handle this. Um, I don't believe that the leadership on set had the 
the maturity to understand the gravity of working with firearms. I believe that that's probably the case on a lot of movie sets. There's just, you know, bad things just don't tend to happen very often. Okay. Um, or, or we may not hear about it, right. They may be able to kind of shut that down and it may not make the, the main news uh, outlets, but no, I, I don't believe that she was ready for this job. I don't believe that. And I think that is a huge issue with Hollywood being anti-gun. You know, they want to control everything. They want to control the narrative and so does the media. But really what they're saying is, I want to control you, but I want to remain ignorant. Mm -hmm. Or I want to control you, but I don't want to learn that. And so I think what, what has blown my mind in these revelations over the past few days is that actors in general aren't given gun safety training as a requirement for their job because mm -hmm. a lot of these actors and actresses are working on movies on action movie sets so they're either handling a prop firearm or a real firearm or they're having one pointed at them and the fact that they wouldn't want this education is completely beyond me but if you look at the people who have who have actually gotten the training the will smiths the keanu reeves the Halle Berries, okay, who've actually worked with reputable people. Now, I know I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go ahead and say this too. I know that some of these people worked with Taryn Tactical. We, we might feel some kind of way about Taryn Butler in his personal life, but he's a good firearms trainer. Taryn is my buddy. Okay. Taryn is my and buddy. So we got it. But, but what I'm saying is that people might feel a personal way about some of these folks. Um, take that out of the equation. The fact of the matter is, Taryn Butler's a good firearms trainer, yeah, very and much the so. people that and the people that work with him get a good education. Mm -hmm. And so you're not seeing this happen on those sets, right? And then the viral video that went around with Will Smith, who was who slapped the gun, a prop gun away when the guy was pointing it at him, and he cleared it. You know, those are the people that got that took the time to get that good firearms training, whether it was required or not. Okay, and what we saw here could have been so easily avoided you know you know um when i got a deeper respect for keanu reeves it was an interview i was reading that he did and he stated in that interview um before john wick was made he wanted the training from a reputable firearms instructor so when he's on the film it looks more real versus the corniness that you've seen in um with firearms from like um lethal weapon or um, beverly hills cop you know something like that because it's only a handful of movies before this one before john wick that actually has that realistic value in it and i think a lot of actors are wanting to cash in on it but they're not willing to invest in themselves to get that ideal package so absolutely yeah, absolutely so, Keanu's always had a good reputation in Hollywood for things like that correct and but at the same time I can honestly say there's a lot of actors and sport figures that are pro a I mean pro 2a but for whatever reason of course contract reasons and their job or whoever's giving them their money from the paychecks they're not coming forth and I think if more celebrities were to come out and say, hey, I am a proud firearms owner. 
I am someone who looked at firearms like this until I got this training. I think it will avoid that stigma in Hollywood now, and now you'll start seeing the pushback, and then it will be 50-50, just like everything else, because you're always going to have your people who like firearms and those who don't like firearms. And maybe we will see that. Maybe we maybe that is starting to become a thing. You know, you've got your Chris Pratt's. Uh, that came out, you know, as conservative. And we have, you know, Kevin Sorbo has always been, you know, someone, he, I mean, he may not be looked at as an A-list actor anymore, but um, I like the dude and I, I always love what he has to say. So maybe we are going to see some of that, you know, come around in the near future. But something that I really want to address about the Alec Baldwin situation and especially about the 2A community and people like Sean Heron with We Like Shooting, people like Rob Pincus, um, have really called out this sort of hypocrisy and maybe even, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it misinformation, but lack of perspective when it comes to the Alec Baldwin situation within the 2A community, because there were so many people who fancied themselves instructors and subject matter experts on guns that came out and said silly things like, well, he wasn't observing the four core safety rules, and then they list out the four core safety rules like we don't know them. Mm -hmm. And you can't take the four core safety rules into every situation with guns. Those are, those are safety rules to implement when people are training with a firearm in general situations. That's what that is, okay? But when you're getting into things that maybe police and law enforcement have to do and security personnel have to do, when you get into things like what the military has to do, anybody that, any military person that's seen combat will tell you that don't point anything, don't point your gun at anything that you're not willing to destroy or kill goes right out the window when you have to go and clear houses in Fallujah. Okay, like your, your trigger discipline, that you have to lean on that safety rule, right? Your trigger discipline then becomes your safety because when you're following people up the stairs or when you have to go and clear rooms, like you're flagging somebody at some point, right? Whether you mean to or not, just because of lack of space, okay? That same perspective and critical thinking skill has to come into place when you start thinking about movie sets they have to point guns at each other so quit saying that that rule was violated that rule wasn't violated if they're shooting a scene they gotta point guns at each other that's the deal okay what what has to come into play then is there's deeper safety rules that have to come into place um you know the question is still out there and we still don't know the answer to of why was live ammunition even on the set? Why was that a thing, right? There was rumors swirling around that the gun that Alec Baldwin used had been used for target practice earlier that day, et cetera, et cetera. So if we break this down to its most foundational form, and if you fancy yourself somebody in the Second Amendment community, especially if you fancy yourself an instructor, you should have been thinking this all along. The foundational thing that comes into play that Alec should have known that the assistant director who handed him the prop firearm should have known, that the armorer should have known, that literally every person involved in that movie set that was on scene that day should have known, is that when you're handed a firearm and someone tells you that it's quote unquote cold, you check that shit for yourself mm -hmm. before you point it and shoot it at anybody. And if you're going to check it for yourself, you better know what a blank looks like versus a live round. That's it, okay? So the blame needs to be spread to multiple people, 
Okay, the armor is responsible for making sure that there's no live rounds in guns before guns are handed off to anybody. The assistant director should have checked that gun as a secondary measure before he handed it to Alec. Alec should have checked it as the trifecta measure before he ever pointed it and shot it at anybody. So there's your three people to blame right there. And yes, Alec is part of that. Oh, yeah. Um, but now I want to reverse a little bit. Um, you know, like when I was overseas over in Iraq and whenever we entered a building, I dared one of my soldiers to flag me because it's going to be a long talk behind that building when we get finished with that mission. <laughs> and I hear that. I hear you on that. And it's not something that you should, it should do or should even want to do. But I am telling you, there are training scenarios in which it just simply cannot be avoided. Yeah. And so you have to have that critical thinking perspective and you have to then go, well, what other safety rule am I going to lean on to ensure the people around me are going to be safe? So if you can't, if you can't mind that no flagging safety rule, then you have to lean on that trigger discipline safety rule, which you can do all the time. That's yeah. something that you control. You don't control if people move suddenly. You don't control if you have to move suddenly and accidentally flag somebody. But what you can control is where that trigger finger is at all times. And I just, man, I hate that this happened to Alec. Man, you know, I don't like the guy. I've never really liked the guy. There are a lot of people in the world that don't like Alec Baldwin, but I never would have wished this on him. Well, never in a million years. Yeah, you don't want to wish this on anyone because um, now you got to look at how this one situation affects everyone. Because now how does this affect his wife's business, his kids' education, their social environment with schooling. Now his mental health. Exactly. And then you got to turn around and look at it from the other side now. So um, the female who passed away, now her husband and the kid, their mental health, their social well-being. Um, is this career path going to have to change now because now he's a single parent? Um, and then even break it down even further. All right. So how is this going to affect other people on the set far as doing this as a career, regardless if it was an armor or not, or now are they only going to pick movies without firearms? And you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's something that spirals down and it hits everybody in a sense of speaking, but. Exactly. Exactly. And I believe that Hollywood has intentionally, I can't prove it. Okay. So I'm only saying what I believe. Hmm. I believe that Hollywood has intentionally tried to keep these kind of views out of their employment, right? Hmm. Because a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people that are pro-gun tend to be pro-conservative values. Okay. Now don't get me wrong. There's leftist gun owners and I welcome them. Okay. 2A is for everybody. But I think that there are the majority of gun owners tend to lean more toward conservative values and they don't want that in Hollywood. So this, sometimes this happens, right? If you're not hiring the best person for the job, because you may not agree with them politically, that can result in some unsafe things on your movie set. Okay. I think that I, what I hope that this does is I hope that this gets directors actors and actresses, producers, camera crews to think about your safety matters and you need the best possible person, the most reputable person on these movie sets helping out with this stuff. And 
hope that they they get together and they seek these people out and they keep them busy because we can't have mothers just people in general right but this was a, a particularly sad situation because she was young she was a new mom um you know now this child has to grow up without their mother this husband has to be without his wife um over a terrible tragic accident that could have totally been avoided had the right protocols been put in place and had corners not been cut mm-hmm. and yeah. I, but what i love that alec baldwin did is that he reached out to her husband with his condolences and that he was sorry because i bet you because i can promise you his lawyers told him not to do that i promise you they did but to me that shows that alec baldwin does have a heart yeah, and I, I hope that, and I hope that people see that. Um, I haven't posted a single negative meme about Alec Baldwin. I haven't posted. I haven't said I told you so. I've simply said this is what happens when an egotistical actor who's been anti-gun his whole life. I mean, karma's a bitch, and this is coming back to bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. But I do wish that people would not be so insensitive, especially in our community, because we get hit all the time. Right. I mean, you have to think about this in, in real terms. Liberty is so important. Freedom is so important. It is literally the most important thing. It's more important than life. I don't care who disagrees with me because people were willing to lay down their life in order for us to have freedom for generations. Mm-hmm. That's why freedom is more important than life. Okay. And most more often than not and this is the sad part and this is the hard part is people get really into their feelings when it comes to freedom and we we look like jackasses and we look like insensitive pricks when we are defending freedom because more often than not we're doing it in the middle of someone's greatest life pain Mm -hmm. greatest life pain right we're doing it when moms are losing kids because of gang violence right we're doing it when people get shot up at nightclubs because of their sexual preferences okay and then people want to and then political figures automatically come in and they want to ban guns and we're like no 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 we still get to be free we don't get to be we're not going to be regulated over someone else's stupid choice that's not our problem okay mm-hmm. then we look insensitive about it right so we have to continue we have to stay the course and we have to continue the fight because we know in our hearts that we didn't wish for anybody to get hurt. We didn't wish for that person's son to be killed for gang violence. We didn't wish for the people at Pulse nightclub to be murdered. We didn't wish any of those things. We don't want any of that stuff. We just want to be able to protect ourselves and we want to continue to be free. So we have to stay the course, you know, on that fight. And we have to continue to tell people, look, it's freedom over everything. And that's just the deal. Okay. Um, but I mean, I feel bad for Alec. I feel bad for everyone in that, you know, on that production crew, but I just hope that this is a lesson learned because clearly they didn't learn it in the nineties when they killed Brandon Lee. Right? Well, I think it, I think it was learned from the nineties because they changed and put a lot of rules, new rules in place um, amongst the industry. I just think what actually ended up taking place from 93 with Brandon Lee's incident is that people got complacent on these sets because okay, all that information never got put out. So, you know, like I said, you know, people who got money, they have a better way of shielding stuff versus a regular person who doesn't have the money to 
pay somebody to do the cover up or rub elbows with somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you know? I agree with you. That's a very fair point. Right. So, um, but um, um, what, what were you about to say? I was just going to say, you're right. Complacency totally set in mm-hmm. on this movie set. And that's, that's another battle that we have to fight all the time is complacency. Oh yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And um, I can honestly say um, one of the tools that I do to break complacency is why I always do training with other people. Um, just not higher name instructors. So if I know someone who is trying to become an instructor, I go to their class. Majority of the time, if they know who I am, it backfires on me because I'm not there to critique you or to do your class, but I'm here as a student. So let me hear you say something that I might be overlooking that is relevant for me to stay safe, you know? So, um, but I'm, I'm a firm believer. That's one system I have in place to check me when it comes to complacency. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, um, but what I do want to do is, um, I definitely want to bring you back on a future show. Yeah, um, let's do it. And we'll dedicate a whole interview section to you and what you do. Cause I, I think you have an interesting story and um, I think that story needs to be heard. Awesome. Well, I look very forward to it. Absolutely. Um, and I love, I don't, I don't really enjoy talking about myself a lot nobody really <laughs> but does but. I uh yeah but I love talking about things like this because the we've gone away from normalizing self-defense we've gone away from normalizing firearms education and this used to be a huge part of the American culture mm-hmm. and we were safer when we did it we were safer when we had it you know and now the society has changed so much and and you know that's both good and bad but this self-defense education and this firearms education has to be a constant but like i said beforehand um we're going to bring you back on a future episode and we're going to dedicate a whole interview section to you because um that's what i was trying to allude to you when i was talking with you yesterday as well but you was like no it's your show like okay (laughs) yeah it's your show man you tell me what to do (laughs) Yeah, I was just trying to fit it to your time schedule. That's all it was because it's normally a little bit early for us to record right now. So I didn't know what you had going on as far as work and everything like that. Oh, I'm typically pretty flexible as long as I have some notice. I can carve out some time. Mm. Y'all hear that? Um, That's how I circle myself with my friends. Mm -hmm. Not only are they That's the the benefit of owning your own business. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, so like, not only do I circle myself with um, good, positive people, they're smart, they're beautiful, but at the same time, whenever you call, you know they're going to pick up the phone. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, right, that's a good right. thing. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on. I got to hop here in just a second. But man, NJ, I am so excited about your future. You are doing good things and you are really hitting it. Uh, you. Gr- you hit the ground running on this, and I'm super, super stoked about your future and really what I want to do is I want to have um, sort of a ladies instructor summit uh, in the in the next year and just uh, for all of us just to get together and kind of solve the world's problems so I'll reach out to you about that and then um, thank you so much for having me on um, as well and uh, I look forward to coming back guys 
Yeah, no problem. Um, and like I said, before you hop off, um, can you tell the good people how they can follow you, get in contact with you and um, look up your information? Yeah, the good people and the trolls can <laughs> find me at uh, on Instagram at Clearing the Chamber and on Facebook at Clearing the Chamber. I'm also on TikTok now at Clearing the Chamber. Yeah, you got it right there. So, um, but yeah, like I said, um, what I do is later on, I hit you up and then we'll plan that out. And okay. um, yeah, so it'll be later on this evening, my time, six, around about six, seven o'clock when I give you a call. And then, um, okay, we'll, sounds good. Yeah, we'll plan it out. But you take care though, okay? You too. All right. Bye, honey. Bye. All right. So there you have it right there, Miss Jaria. Jara. <laughs> 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 I did that on purpose when she wasn't on the phone. <laughs> but um, like I said, you know, very smart um female, um, very involved into the um the two A community and a different perspective, you know, as you could tell, as her being um an avid firearms instructor. So um her viewpoint is spot on, in my personal opinion. But um, let's hop into a quick commercial break and we're going to come back and then um, we're going to close out the show and give some food for thought. Right? So please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. 
with high quality hermit oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, good people. Thank you for listening to that commercial break. And um, like I said, you know, Miss Jara, Jara, Miss <laughs> Jara, she's gonna um, smack you next time she sees you. Yeah, she she probably go chase me around the parking lot, but I'll be like, catch me if you can, catch me. If you can. <laughs> but um, like I said, she made some valid points, both on um, the training aspect, ego aspect, and um somewhat of a what can we do to move forward past this one robot you know what i'm saying so um i've always enjoyed conversations with her and like i said bringing her back onto the podcast um in the future where we have a little bit more time whereas we can break down a lot of things that she wants to do and thought process of something um i think it'd be very interesting yeah she has such a good perspective and I really, she's one of my favorite follows online because she's not afraid to take a stance and really speak her mind. I think she's very articulate. I really like her mission. I think having um, other women as advocates in the firearms industry is so important and she's just such a great resource. So I encourage people just to, to check her out and, and see her work and, you know, send your lady friends her way because she really is empowering a lot of women to, to embrace the two-way community. Oh yeah. Um, that one story she was talking about when she was saying in regards to being like the subject matter expert for the lawyer. Yeah. I seen it when she posted that and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. You know, like to do something like that. Yeah. And then the next time I seen Rob, um, Rob Pincus and we were talking, he was telling me like how people was shutting her down because she was a female and not giving her a fair chance in that regard. And I was like, that sucks right there, yeah. you know? And um, yeah. it's just like my personal opinion. Um, I personally think women are better shooters than men. It's just, you know, men control the dynamics and the motion of going forward so of course when you look at competition shooting it's um, more men in competition shooting when you look at firearm purchases you know in the past it's always been more men into stuff like that because even if you back it up you know men were the ones that were the hunters the protectors 
you know, so forth and so on. But um, I just personally believe it's something about the female dynamic that allows the female to be the better shooter, you know? And even when I was a drill sergeant, you know, weighing the difference between, you know, the male soldiers and female soldiers, it was always the females that were more first time goes than the males. Sure. And um, we can sit there and blame it. Like, cause we always tell the soldiers when they first come in, Hey, when we do the shooting portion, just listen to us. Right. And you will be a first time go, but a lot of y'all going to have that ego and think, Oh, well, my daddy taught me how to shoot. My granddad taught me how to shoot, or I was hunting since I was six or seven. You're going to come out here and you're going to bolo everything. <laughs> just listen to what we're saying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, and I think that's a big portion of it. Also, as we already know, women listen and they apply, you know, or some women listen and apply. Yeah. And, um, but outside of that, I do believe it's something about the physique of a female that allows her to be a better shooter. Because you got to remember, um, one of the world wars, Russia was using females, as, no, was it Germany? It was German using females as snipers. Also, you know, so a little bit of history lesson right there also. So, um, <laughs> but um, what's going forward with you in this coming weekend? Well, mostly work. I have to work this weekend, which I normally don't. I normally work normal office hours, what? but I know we're doing a, um, a photo shoot for some of our new products. So nice. it's at least something that I enjoy and that's fun. And oh no, it's kind of dreary outside today, but I'm hoping the weekend is nice and the fall colors are really starting to pop here. It's very, it's pretty. So, um, and then Sunday, just relaxing because I feel like I'm probably going to be out late Saturday. And I was gone all last week. Um, saw uh, Clayton and Jen up in Minnesota from Pivotal Defense. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Spent some time with them. Um, and I was in Green Bay before that. So I just, and then I stayed, I got back into town and I was staying up at my parents' house. So I like just got back to my house last night and like, I need to just <laughs> spend some time on Sunday and relax and get ready for the week. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, remember, like I told you last week, um, I was going to go shoot that match. Well, that match got canceled. So okay. me and my buddy, um, John from Outdoor Dynamics, we linked up and we did a practice session. Oh, nice. And of course the practice session was very good. Um, the two downers from the practice session was, I was still having the ammo issues, mm-hmm. all right? But I do believe we figured it out now. I think mm-hmm. it's figured out now. So, um, and I think what the problem was, was the crimp, um, meaning the bevel around the bullet that holds it in place wasn't tight enough or you know wasn't straight enough small enough however you want to word it um the gauge that i have is a common gauge and it wasn't specifically for competition shooting so um he took a couple of the rounds home and i expressed what i thought it was from the rip and you know he came back and was like hey you are spot on um so try this and you know he gave me the crimp dimensions so um now I went back and reset all my bullets to this new crimp 
So this weekend, I'm going to another practice session because nice. of um, October having five weekends, it throws off the circuit that we have here. Sure. And, um, you know, October, November timeframe is when a lot of people do a lot of charity events to raise money yeah. for whatever organization when it comes to shooting. So um, my buddy, he has a range in his backyard. So we're going to go to his house, a group of us, and work on some fundamental stuff. It's a little competition between us all. And it's like a scoring system, but we all help each other out. So um, I'm going to go that route and hopefully everything works out. And then if everything works out, then you might hear in the heat, I mean, in the air by Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to put that together. <laughs> just that, just that. Um, but um, I'm actually looking forward to this one um, because I actually started going through and I was nicking everything out before I realized, okay, I didn't want to say it was the firearm because the firearm was like working properly like it should. So um and of course, you know, I changed some stuff on my reloading press, which brought up the theory to me, maybe it's just not sitting in right, because I noticed like how the rounds were sitting in and, you know, for it to have a malfunction, it only made sense to me that it was the crimp. So let's hope that's what it is. And so I can get back on track and become a class. Here, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, right now like i said that's all i have um going forward and try to work on my workout because the other downer that i didn't mention when we was doing the practice session um with john was that um kind of tweaked my knee a little bit Ooh. so yeah so and um i just got back into my, my workout routine because um the winter time you know it's kind of hard to work out when it gets cold outside so yeah <laughs> so mm -hmm. um what I ended up doing, like I said, was tweaking my knee. So this week, I really haven't done anything as far as any type of working out. Yeah. So, um, but tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a lot more walking because, like I said, I'm going to head up to um, um, South Carolina Gun School's location and link up with Rob Pincus and Chris Lyles, who is the head instructor at South Carolina Gun School's and um hang out with them for a couple hours before i head up to charlotte and take care you of you guys will have a good time those are good dudes oh yeah you, you know like um me and rob we got this thing we go back and forth with each other um <laughs> whatever happened when we was in tennessee man he molly whopped me in pool <laughs> he <laughs> molly whopped me that was an embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm I'm coming back i'm gonna I'm get my revenge i'm gonna get my revenge. <laughs> all right so um but um we do want to thank everybody who listens to the show um regardless of where you are in the world thank you for listening to the m dash levy tactical podcast and um like we always say you can always come back and listen to us every tuesday at 11 a.m eastern standard time and um, head on over to your favorite streaming platform or go to YouTube and check us out on YouTube where you can actually see the interaction between Rockstar and myself. Now, if you was looking for the interaction with um, Jarrah, you're not going to see it because we actually called her over the telephone. So you're going to have to wait for us to bring her back so you can actually see the interaction um, with us on camera. But if you will, if you want to go ahead and give me a follow, please, um, go to Facebook, 
and YouTube and look up M-W Tactical. And then if you're on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, look up at M underscore W Tactical. And then also head on over to www.m-wtactical.com and check out everything that we have in place right now. And of course, if you want to follow Rockstar, please do so at... You can follow me on Instagram at Rockstar Burst, B-E-R-S-T. Um, yeah, that's where I'm most active. I mean, that's where I have the most fun and I, I just enjoy posting a lot of my stories there. And I always love a good meme or a good, uh, I love animal videos. So feel free to send me those. They brighten up my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, like, I was into TikTok at one time, but it got kind of boring to me. But I think I'm going to start going back to TikTok more. Nice. Also, it's just a little bit more work for me, but I'm cool. It's about to get cold, so I need to occupy that time anyway, right? Right. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> All right, good people. So um, if you will, go ahead and um, stay in your seats and hear a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit 
www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please... Go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.